0: Welcome to the Mapped Out Money Podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage your money so you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number 14.
1: And today's episode is sponsored by the Mapped Out Money newsletter. So every week, Hannah and I put together a newsletter uh, where we share what we're learning, uh, where we're adventuring, and what we are creating, all about uh, ultimately how to use your money as a tool to live your own adventure. So if you would like to hear from us on a weekly basis via email, you can just go to our website, mappedoutmoney.com, and sign up for the newsletter right there on the homepage.
0: All right, Nick. You want to get us rolling since this is your first Curious Questions episode?
1: Sure. Um, okay. So you hear me say this all the time, but like one of my favorite statistics is the average four-year-old kid asks something like two to three hundred questions a day. And I think I was—I was probably more than that. My, my mom would I guess. I would
0: guarantee that you were more than that. Uh, but
1: as we get older, through a mixture of like societal pressure, the way school is, you know, even sometimes, unfortunately, parents getting annoyed with their kids asking questions. We sort of learn that we aren't supposed to question that much to where by the time you're an adult, uh, the average adult asks like less than 20 questions a day. And so we just get out of this habit of questioning things.
0: It's really wild when you stop and think about how drastic that drop is.
1: It's huge. But I will say,
0: you know, the, the way they say like What you love about your spouse is what will also drive you crazy about your spouse. This is definitely one of those for me and Nick, because your default is to ask a question. And that's like I'll ask Nick, I'll have a blanket sitting out right beside where Nick is sitting. And I'll say, hey, Nick, will you hand me that blanket? And instead of just handing me the blanket, Nick's immediate response without even thinking is, which blanket? (laughs) <laughs> it's like the blanket right beside you. What other blanket would I be talking about? And so he'll do that. You do that to me just with little things all the time to the point where I'll say, you're messing with me right now. Like you're trying to make me mad right now. And Nick is always very innocently like, no, I'm really not. I, that's just the way my brain thinks. Yep. And it is. And it, I'm going to, to be fair, I'm really thankful that your brain thinks that way because it's very helpful to us and lots of areas. It's only minorly frustrating when I ask you to hand me a blanket.
1: Well, and I, I could probably not be so thick in <laughs> situations like that for sure because there's there's definitely it is funny that you say my default is to ask a question because when I think about moments like that, my default is to ask the question and and I don't know if, if I can even explain this right, but the second that the question comes out of my mouth in that split second, I legitimately am asking what blanket. But I can often answer the question before you have a time to respond. So it's not like I'm thinking, oh, I know what blanket, but I'm just going to do this to annoy Mm -hmm. her. It's like my default is like, which blanket? I can just quickly answer the question before you respond to it, in which case I should probably just hand you the blanket.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I always feel like I commit things. From the perspective of not wanting to bother somebody with a question, like I'm always or, or worried that my question is going to be stupid. So before I ask a question, I'm always like filtering it through my head to see if I can figure out a way to not have to ask it. Yeah. Which I, I think that's. Not a great way to be either. I think they're somewhere in the middle. They're they're somewhere
1: in the middle. They're somewhere in the (laughs) middle because like even me, I ask tons of questions. I try not to, but I try to exhaust, you know, other means like the internet or something like that Mm -hmm. before I just go firing away questions all the time.
0: Yeah, to a specific person. Yeah.
1: But, you know, really this conversation is more than just about asking which blanket you should get or whatever (laughs) it's more about like
0: thankfully it's about more than that
1: (laughs) uh, questioning the big things in life and questioning um, pretty much everything and questioning your own actions and just getting in the habit and the routine of doing that all the time because things change and so the more often we can ask questions the better we can sort of assess what we want to do so I think my goal for today's episode is is twofold number one It would be to encourage whoever's listening to ask more questions uh, and question a lot more of the things that they're doing in their life and just inspire them to do that, get them thinking. The second one is I want us to work through, we're going to kind of work through a a very specific scenario where we've asked lots of questions leading up to um, this kind of topic all around us buying a home. And transitioning out of Airstream Life into buying a home and, and settling down. And sort of we're gonna we're gonna talk through a handful of questions that we've asked over the past few months to kind of show you how this idea of asking questions all the time can ultimately help you make better decisions.
0: Yeah, it's just how we use this in our actual yeah. real life.
1: That's it. That's it.
0: I'm going to set the stage for this episode in two ways. The first way is that it's been raining and we're trying to record <laughs> yes. during a break in the rain, but it's an airstream. So any any extra raindrops that fall out of the trees or anything, you're probably yeah. going to hear them. So bear with us. And um, the second part of setting the stage is just kind of explaining how this conversation has evolved for Nick and I. Um, we've known that we wanted to invest in real estate for a while now. Um, but we've thought of it as being more of a off in the semi distant future type of thing, and it wasn't until COVID hit that we started to get more focused on buying real estate. This initially came from us just having house fever because COVID made travel really weird. We were living out of suitcases between you know yeah, guest houses got at canceled. families. Campgrounds yeah.
1: wouldn't even let you book. And yeah. And like come to them, so... Some
0: of them would, but a lot of them wouldn't, and if you did go, you couldn't do anything when you got there. Yeah. So, it was just, everything was messy. And so, nothing makes you want a house more than living out of a suitcase between guest rooms. Guest rooms. Yeah. 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 And so, we started to have this conversation of, okay, how much of us wanting a house is because of COVID, which is hopefully temporary, and how much of it is us really being ready to settle down and kind of move on to something new?
1: Yeah, so... Kind of with that in mind, it, it spurred a whole bunch of questions, um, and it, it it ultimately starts with an even bigger question that we asked probably a year and a half ago on a walk when we were um, visiting your, your grandmother's house where we sort of asked this question of, okay, if we could live anywhere, if you could just snap your fingers and boom, now you can live in any location that you want to live in and you can bring the people that you care about with you where would you live
0: yeah it was like well we always either want to be traveling to the beach or to the mountains yeah so why don't we just pick one to live at
1: yep (laughs) yep and on the east like in the southeast on the east coast um you you it's hard to get those in the same spot like there are some areas in new england where you could potentially get beach and mountains but it's a very different beach uh on the upper east coast and then there's also like you can go do that in california where you can totally get beach and mountains but once we do the realistic version of the question, like our parents are not going to move out there either. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like, OK, how can we get beach or mountains
0: in, proximity to, in family. proximity
1: to family that makes good sense? You know, for us, ultimately, it was like we've actually both grown up sort of splitting the difference. Like we both grew up in an area where we weren't right at the mountains or right at the beach. And so you've just sort of sometimes we'd vacation to the mountains, sometimes a vacation to the beach, that kind of thing. And what we talked about on that kind of walk, I remember it so vividly, like, why would we, why would we do that? Like, why don't we just pick one to live in
0: mm-hmm. and we
1: get it all the time and then
0: we, can, we vacation. can vacation to
1: the other one. Then, of course, we had the next conversation about, about the mountains, which was like, OK, uh, well, realistically, what do I like to do in the mountains? I like to snowboard. Right. Um, but there's a lot about the mountains in the wintertime that we don't love unless we're strapped to a snowboard. Whereas the beach is one of those things where we enjoy that weather more year round. And so the more we talked about it, the more and more we made sense, or the more and more we thought like, okay, realistically, I think we would like to live near the beach and travel to the mountains if we had our choice.
0: Yeah, so that set a very general kind of thought process in our heads of, okay, well, eventually we would love if we could end up in more of a beach-type setting. Yep. But again, at that point, we were still thinking of it as a... Far off. Yeah. Far off. It wasn't, wasn't in the near future.
1: So we come into COVID with with that sort of in mind. We mm-hmm. have a general idea of where we might want to settle. So now, of course, the next sort of question in this progression is exactly what you alluded to. Are we ready to be done with the Airstream? We've been in it for almost... We're coming up on three years next month. And are we done? When we ask this question... You know, we always kind of run that sunk cost test that we talked about in our very first podcast episode, which is, okay, if the Airstream was destroyed and we got a check uh, from the insurance company, what would we do? Would Mm -hmm. we go buy a house or would we go buy another, you know, camper? And I think that helped us know, like, we weren't ready to fully give it up.
0: Yeah, I think so, too, because when we had that conversation, we said, okay, well, we probably what we would do is, like, first... Go buy some sort of rental where we can live in part of it and rent part of it, but then be working towards getting another camper. And maybe we wouldn't put as much money into fixing the camper up like we did in this one three years ago. But we still felt like we would want a camper to be able to go and do trips because...
1: There's still a lot of places in this country that we haven't seen.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of places we want to see. We also have several friends who also RV. Yep. Our jobs, our work does give us the flexibility to be able to travel and do that where we want to do that from. And so we we have the flexibility to go for a month or two or whatever at a time.
1: Okay, so through those series of questions, we've come to the conclusion that... We want some sort of home base where we're not like we're over just 100% being in the Airstream with no sense of home base at all. However, we're not willing to sell the Airstream and give it up just yet. However, again, we also don't think it makes good financial sense to just buy a home and have an Airstream as like a second vacation type home. In our current financial setting, we've got, you know, still many, many years ahead of us and we want to start doing some more strategic wealth building stuff. Um, to plan for the long term really is what it comes down to. And so the luxury of doing a house that we live in and an Airstream just doesn't make good financial sense.
0: Mm-hmm. So then we talked about, well, what if we found just a single family home where the rental numbers worked and it was like kind of a fixer upper and we it had enough space for us to have the Airstream there, like while we were working on the house. Yep. And so maybe take, say, I don't know, six months to work on this house and fix it up, six months to a year, and then get it get it ready to rent or flip or whatever. But that scenario still really didn't help us with that home base piece. Mm-mm.
1: Because then if we just leave, we, or let's say we go take two or three months to travel in the Airstream, well, that house is sitting there not generating – it's not generating anything for us. Yep. Uh, or if it is, it's completely taken up, right? We're, we're renting it out. To someone uh, and now we don't have our home base
0: mm-hmm. yep um, and and like you said if we chose to if we chose to go travel in that six months to a year that we kind of allotted to fixing the house up well then we're delaying getting a renter in there or yep. whatever so it, it a it didn't accomplish what we were wanting at yep. the home base piece um, but b it was a it was a real limiting kind of factor for yeah. travel and all that stuff so we kind of moved on from from that scenario and decided we didn't want to do that. And then we started to think about what about some sort of multifamily unit? Uh, if we could get a duplex or maybe even a triplex and keep one unit for ourselves right. while renting the other ones. And so that kind of felt like... That kind of felt like a sweet spot. Yeah. Because
1: now we, you know we spent a lot of 2019 uh very focused on paying off the airstream it's owned outright and so now if we had let's say a duplex where it generates rent for us from half of it and then we run the numbers so that we pay rent you know to the duplex if you will for the other half that felt like a good justifiable decision that we can we can justify that and we can make good sense of it and also it's still going to be like we said, building wealth for the long term and and sort of in the real estate circles, this would be known as house hacking. right? Mm-hmm. This idea of um, you are basically reducing your monthly cost for your home in some form or fashion by renting out some part of it.
0: Yeah. So once we kind of got there, then we had to step back and really get clear on – the things that we were dreaming about for a forever home, yeah, <laughs> yep, and the things that were really important for us to get in this type of house hack situation.
1: I think that this is a really important conversation too, because a lot of the time in America, I think especially, I think society sort of goes through this progression of okay, you get married, then you buy a starter home, you live there for a few years. And then you sell it and you buy a bigger home. And that one might be your forever, kind of depends on your income situation. You live there for a few years and then and then maybe one day you'll eventually get that forever home. But I think it's so, that's a faulty way to look at it because most people who even have that idea in their head, that starter home, they're not running the numbers on the home as if they are actually going to sell it for a profit. And I would just be willing to bet that the math doesn't make a lot of good sense In a lot of those scenarios, whereas what we're trying to do is we're trying to come at this with a very focused mindset of, no, we are buying this with the intention to uh, rent part of it and then eventually rent all of it and make sure that the math makes a lot of sense to make it a good investment.
0: We're also doing this in a way we want to be able to have real estate investments completely passively yes. if we choose to. Yes. So we're when we're looking at all these numbers, you know, we're taking a real estate class and and learning how to do all this. But we're factoring ourselves in just as a renter. And so, you know, we're it doesn't matter whether whether we're we the renter it or, or whether somebody else it. is the renter. That's right. And then, you know, we're factoring in costs for a property manager and all of those things and for somebody else to do any Man, renovation it. work. All of that, any renovation or maintenance, yeah. Now, if we choose to do any of that, then it's icing on the cake. But we're running all the numbers where it could be done by somebody else and work.
1: That's exactly right. And that's that's kind of where we're going. So with that in mind, we get to this question of, okay, well, what's the non-negotiables? Mm-hmm. What is it that we're looking for? And that's where you brought up like the perfect point of we we do have a little bit of house fever, right? We do want that home base. and so it's trying to parse through what is truly non-negotiable versus what is like, that's eh, a nice to have that yeah. if we can get in a forever home one day, that'd be great. But. So as an
0: example, I mean, I think we just talked through this. Like when we first started this, I remember you asked like, okay, so if we do this duplex, so let's say a duplex just for the ease of conversation, what's what are your kind of non-negotiables around it? And at first I said, well, each side needs to have at least two bedrooms and two baths. Like, that's, like, minimum. minimum. has to have it. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, we, we had a full conversation around just that. Okay, two bedrooms, two baths. It'd be nice for it to have, like, a pretty good yard, maybe fenced yep. in for the dogs. And then, of course, I was, like, dreaming of a bathtub that was going to be super awesome. It's, like... You know, a bathtub that like heats your water and keeps Here it go. hot and everything it has like super nice jets in it. That's right. Yeah, because we've just got like this teeny tiny little shower in the airstream, <laughs> so you got to start blowing up everything. You know, it's like okay, what are what are all the things that I've been wanting while we've been in the airstream that we haven't had? And I put them all into that duplex scenario, and Nick just rolled with it. It was like, I'm like okay, sure, great, okay,
1: non negotiable, okay. we'll write it down.
0: Yep. And then a few days later, I was like, you know. I've been thinking about some of this stuff and <laughs> it's all really cool, but I'm just I'm just thinking about the fact that anything is gonna feel like a huge upgrade for or our Airstream. In an RV. Our Airstream is super nice. I love our Airstream awesome. and I'm so thankful for it. But it's an R V. Yeah. So any any amount of real house space and uh luxuries like I don't know, just a, I mean, normal, just a normal, a normal sized refrigerator.
1: Uh, literally, the exact same. We said the yeah. exact same thing.
0: Yeah, it's like the the amount of luxury that that's going to be is just mind blowing. Huge. So then we had a conversation of saying, okay, well let's let's get real about this. Let's say we found something that had one bedroom and one bath. I would say a minimum, I would like to have one bedroom and one and a half baths. But even if we just have one bedroom said we could use a living room and have a an air mattress and if we had guests like we could sleep on the air mattress we're also planning to keep the airstream yep so you know we could have it where we could at least run our air Air conditioning conditioning unit so if we need to use the airstream to sleep in or if we need to use the airstream as office space while people are visiting us we can still get that that goal of people being able to come and hang out with us. That's right. And then when they're not there, it's obviously gonna be plenty of space for the two of Maybe us. More than plenty. Yeah. yeah. And and then from there, all of those other luxury items, that doesn't even matter. Those those aren't even what we're after. No. Um. No. You know, it was the it was more of like having a community somewhere that we can get involved with when we're there and The big piece was people being able to come and visit us without having to pay to stay in a hotel or something. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's one of the hardest things about being an RVer is the lack of stable community, Mm -hmm. right? And so we've done things like, you know, setting up Zoom calls with our friends and other RV friends and trying to visit family on a somewhat regular basis to get that sense of community, but it's still not the same. Mm -hmm. And so when we wrote those non negotiables down, it's like, great community, like people visiting, family uh, and, you know, a little bit more room Mm -hmm. to, to stretch out, you know, Mm -hmm. and those three things are very different than, you know, some other sort of non-negotiables, right? And if you're listening, you may have very different non-negotiables, which is great. That's fine. Um, but it's, it's being pretty ruthless about if I'm really honest and I have to choose like three to five, there's a lot of things that don't make the list that are truly just
0: nice to have. Mm-hmm. And just being patient with yourself and letting yourself work through some of that stuff. Yep. Because I think we needed to, at least I needed to, I needed to start out, you know, dreaming up this Mac Daddy Duplex. Yeah. And then dial it back and go, actually, I don't need all of that to be yep. like really excited about kind of this next step that we're talking about and moving towards.
1: I think the patient thing you just said there is really important too because. I should say, while we're talking about this in the, you know, this short half an hour or something episode, you know, all these conversations and these questions happened over the course of a couple of months. Some of them even like the Beach Mountain one that happened a year before all of this. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to recognize it does take time. You have to have grace for yourself. And there were days where both of us flip flopped. I mean, like there were days where like you were ready to like, I'm done. I want to buy a house. Here's Mm -hmm. this house I found. Let's go. Uh, And then there were days where I was like, that's it. I'm selling the Airstream. Like, let's be done. Yeah. You know, and then, and then we'd flip flop and there would be days where it's like, oh, look at all these cool places we still want to travel and like all the stuff we want to do. And, and so just having, (laughs) having that patience and then recognize you're going to work through this. You need to sleep on it. You're not going to try and solve all the world's problems in one conversation where you're asking questions. It's just that constant idea of continually asking questions. And I think you're so good at this because. There, have, there were some days over the last couple of months where, like, I really let my emotions get the best of me with, like, this whole house conversation. And you were really good about pushing back and just asking questions and not pushing back and, like, a, hey, I think you're overreacting or coming down on me, but pushing back and, like, a, okay, well, let's play this out. Like, are you really – do you really want this? Okay, what could that look like? And just by asking questions, you sort of – I sort of could start to see my own – irrational well
0: it's you have to have patience for yourself and if you're married you have to have patience for your spouse totally and it also circles back to the importance of just having those open lines of communication and the fact that we go out on walks and talk about all these random things all the time so these these conversations happen pretty naturally for us now but since we since we do have good communication I would say between the two of us We can bring those things up so we can say like, man, I'm just feeling like I am over the airstream. I'm just feeling like I'm over it. And we're not worried about the other person getting mad at us or whatever, you know, it's like we can pause and go, okay, well, why do you think you're feeling like that? You know, just being able to talk through all of those things and really come back to conversations a few days later and another big turning point that we had in all of this, we um were in this little town that we love, pretty close to the beach, and I always get houses <laughs> to my email because I've just <laughs> done so many searches and, like, saved so many searches on Zillow that they send me random things. And this little house pops up, and it was two-bedroom, two-bath, $80,000, which, like, in this area that we're at, I was like, I didn't know there were $80,000 houses in this area. And it was... Nice looking. Yeah, like it. I mean, it was it That's was a old. very simple little yeah. house, but it was like a little simple cottage style house, yep. and very small, very quaint. Whatever would have been perfect. perfect. for like what we like. Was though. on the
1: market less than twenty four hours.
0: Yeah, like we went to walk by it and look at it, and they literally came and put a sold sign in the yard while, while we, we were, were walking, walking by. by. So before they came and put the sold sign on in the yard, we were standing there looking at this house. And I was just ready to buy it. I said, Nick, "We, it, this is our house. It's time, let's do this. And he looked at me and just asked, "Are you, I mean, are you serious right now? Like, I mean, I don't even think that's an option. And then he stood there for a second and kind of thought about it and was like, well, I mean, it is an option if we're really serious. And so we kind of had started having this conversation and about 10 minutes later, they came and plopped the sold sound down in the yard. Um, But that that got this whole conversation rolling of, you know, what would that have brought us if we had started living in that house? Okay, well, we could have if we wanted to I know coronavirus affects this, too, but if we wanted to go work out at a gym and kind of have a community aspect around like health and fitness kind of stuff. If we wanted to get involved at things at a local bookstore, that would be a benefit if we wanted to just be able to. Have sidewalks outside our yep. house to go walk and run around and do whatever and have a have a location where, you know, you're maybe 45 minutes from the beach or 10 or 15 minutes to drive into downtown or whatever. Have things a for us to do, but b for people who came to visit us That's to right. do so, you know, it's a, a desirable location. And so those were all things that we were really wanting from that house, and it helped us get clear on what to look for when we do buy something.
1: And one of the things that you make a real good point of here in that whole sort of scenario is the real purpose of asking these questions and to not just immediately shut down. Like when you were like, hey, we we could buy this house right now. And I'm not always great about not shutting you down. But you know, luckily, one of us tends to always be able to pick up the slack when the other one is being a little bit closed on something. But that idea of immediately meeting it with, okay, well, I don't know, like, maybe we could, what would that mean? What would that mean selling or sacrificing or pulling off? Like, can we actually make that thing happen? A lot of times the answer is yes, if you're willing to make some changes. And so where I'm going with this is the purpose of asking all these questions and removing variables, like, okay, well, take COVID out of the equation. Now, are you seriously wanting to do this? Take this out of the equation now. The purpose is to try and get to that deeper underlying reason That is truly driving the decision. If you want to make a decision because COVID is driving you crazy and that's the main reason you want to make the decision and you've actually thought about it and objectively decided COVID is driving me nuts so I want to make this decision and I'm okay with that as being the main driver, great. Make the decision. If we wanted to buy a house and that was the main decision and we knew it and we objectively was like this is worth it, cool.
0: Yeah, that's fine. You just don't want to do it you just and then don't in hindsight go, yes. "Oh,
1: I did that for the wrong reason." Mm-hmm. That's the key. The key to asking the reason is to try and get to the main driver. And for us, COVID was exacerbating, you know, it was sort of sort of making these feelings stronger, but it wasn't the reason. Yeah. The reason is sort of some of these other things, and that's what we're trying to get to the root of.
0: Yeah. So another another helpful hypothetical question that came out of looking at that little $80,000 cottage house was you asked, okay, well, let's say we could snap our fingers, the Airstream sold tomorrow, we bought that cottage, we're moving in. Like, are you happy with that? And I was like, oh, well, no, I don't want to sell the Airstream. Yep. (laughs) And you were like, because we have been talking about we want to buy a rental property before we buy just a house for us to live that's in. Right. That's right. That's kind of been a, a stepping stone. Uh, of, yeah, yeah.
1: A, a non-negotiable stepping stone yeah. in the game plan.
0: We obviously always reassess and have those conversations over again, but it's one that we consistently feel like, you know what? It's good to have the discipline to delay us getting whatever house that's we right. want. And let's make some investments first.
1: And even that is driven by the deeper, longer-term why around what we want our family life and our daily life to look like in 20 years. Yeah. And part of pulling that off is building wealth now.
0: Now. And so I said, well, no, I don't want to sell the Airstream. And Nick was like, well, we, we couldn't rent that house and use it. I mean – we could, but we don't want to. Yep. So we don't want to be the people who have our house fully furnished and then like Airbnb it out for a month or two at a time. Like, I, that's just not how I roll. Maybe that's how you roll. More power to you. But I, I don't want to do that. Um, so in using it as a personal house and also keeping the Airstream... We're not getting a rental property. Even if the numbers work on it as a rental, we're not getting rental income from it right right. now. So that's just us buying us a house. That's right. So that's not the step that we want to take next. That's right. But at the same time, I didn't want to sell the Airstream to feel good about buying a house for us just to live in. It's like, no, that's not what I want either. Yeah. So again, that helped clarify and kind of come back to, okay, well, where's the middle ground? Where's this middle ground where we can feel good about having the Airstream and being able to go and travel and and do that as we want to, but also having this home base and dialing in on the duplex kind of scenario?
1: So I think to try and put this whole conversation into some action steps, right? I mean, ultimately... The reason you ask all these big questions is not that you're going to have action steps after every single conversation, but that the aggregate of all these conversations should lead to some sort of action.
0: Yeah. Hopefully it gives you a clearer picture of what you want your next step to be and therefore what you need to be doing to get there.
1: So if you're interested in hearing sort of what has come out of this for us, we sort of wrote down five things that we are focused on right now as a result of these big questions we're asking. Mm -hmm. Uh, the first one is, of course, to learn more about real estate investing. We are not real estate investing experts. We are babies. Uh, we haven't even done anything yet. We're, we're just reading books and we're taking a course and we're learning. It's the mm-hmm. education phase.
0: But again, we that was something that we had in general. Like, OK, right. we want to be learning about um, learning about real estate investing. But then when we saw that house, started having these more focused conversations and really got dialed in on, all right, we want to buy a a duplex or a triplex or something soon, like much sooner rather than later. Yep. Then we really dialed in and, you know, set timelines for, okay, we're both both going to go through this real estate class by X date. Uh, we both want to have read these real estate books. Yep. We both want to have watched these videos on YouTube, you know, we got really dialed in on our education plan for that. And
1: everything kind of became, I guess, just more focused on it. You mm-hmm. know, this was sort of the catalyst for that, which brings me to the the second action step, which is focused on the financial piece, which is, of course, we need money, right? Mm-hmm. So aggressive savings, um, looking at our budget, finding places we can cut, looking at our income and our business, trying to find places we can increase revenue, um, and ultimately just really trying to get hardcore about Saving Mm -hmm. So that we actually have the money to do this. And and we mentioned this, if you listen to our episode um, about managing money in a crisis, we talked about this idea of offense and defense. This would be more in the offense category, right? We're trying to save money so that we can then invest that money into hopefully uh, a potentially good deal. That comes as a result of this crisis.
0: But again, especially when you're married, when you're having these conversations and you're getting clear on things and you're both getting excited about something together, it gets, I'm not going to say easy, but...
1: Well, it's easier. I mean, it, I
0: mean, it is easier, yeah. Cutting
1: your expenses is like...
0: But it's just not this tug of war. That's right. It's that's not right. you telling me not to go buy something because we need to save for a rental. It's, it's us coming together and saying like, oh, do we really want to go out to eat right now or do we want to put... 20 extra bucks in our towards our rental property um so yeah it's just getting really focused in on that that's right together
1: okay the third action step that we kind of came out of this was to start scoping out the places that we think we want to actually buy this duplex and so we're planning our travels uh for now and the rest of this year where we're going to basically spend a couple of months over the you know at different periods um and you know one of the cities that we think this is going to make sense for so that we can get to know the area and try to see what part of that area we think it makes sense to buy in and be able to know like what a good deal is and what isn't a good deal and what homes go for in that location and just what, really focus. What your
0: typical rent is going That's to right. run in that location. That's right. And then to circle back slightly, um, the conversation that we had earlier about, oh, okay, well, these are things that I'm wanting in like a forever home, but these are the things that, I actually really want us to get right now. We had to have that same conversation around location. totally, And just through very preliminary research, kind of figuring out, hey, this like ideal location that we legit might want to live in like maybe 10 years from now, the rental numbers probably aren't going to work out there. So is there somewhere close by where, you know, we could easily make a day trip here if we wanted to come and visit it's little town that we really like. But where we also just like this other area for itself and what it has to offer. But and, that the
1: rental numbers work.
0: Yes. So can we find a balance of those two things in order to, to do a rental property and not just jump straight to a house that we want and that we want to live in for a long time? That's right.
1: How many times am I going to say that's right? You're so right. You say
0: it a lot in every episode. I say like. You say that's right.
1: <laughs> okay. Number four. So, number four is to think about who we can get in touch with um, to actually learn from for real estate investing. So, and then also for the area. So, you know, for us, we've got some friends who have done a lot of real estate investing. So, just trying to talk to them uh, and ask them for advice and feedback on stuff. And then also, like spending time in that area, also, you know, do do we have any friends or do we know anybody or can we meet real estate agents in the area? To help us learn the area and know what's going on. And so that's sort of the fourth action step where we're really focused on.
0: And as far as reaching out to people, you know, that you know that you can learn from, hey, if you're if you're friends with somebody and they've done something like that you admire and that you would kind of like to do, most people probably are going to enjoy Talking about that process and sharing it with you. But the preliminary requirement there is that you have a friendship and like a relationship. Yeah, I think it's
1: it's you having a relationship and then you also not asking them the most basic thing in the world. Yeah. That's what the Internet's for.
0: Well, and just being respectful of somebody's time and recognizing that even if it's a friend or family member or whatever, like if you're reaching out and asking them to help share kind of what they've learned and and whatever – be really, really aware of not, not wasting their time. Yeah. So kind of have your thoughts in order. Maybe have some questions that you can ask them. Don't just be like, hey, can I pick your brain? Just tell me everything you know. Yeah, that's yeah. Not, Do your research and be right. prepared going into that conversation or email or whatever it is that you have with them. Perfect.
1: And then the fifth action step that's really come out of this is planning our 2020 and 2021 travel around actually buying a property. Mm-hmm. So while we where we are planning our travel around, you know, looking and learning the area, like I said earlier, we're hoping to actually purchase a property at the end of the year or going into sort of early next year.
0: And we're also trying to plan, um, keeping in mind that, hey, we may need to be here a few months yep. and do some work on this yep. or, you know, get it ready to get a first renter in kind of thing. Um so just trying to allot some extra time in that space too.
1: Okay. So before we kind of wrap this up and do our conclusion, we want to do our stuff we stuff like. Stuff we like. All right, Hannah, so what are we liking right now?
0: I think you need to tell us what we're liking. Okay. You're the one who got us started That's on right.
1: this. That's right. So I sort of follow this guy named Joel Runyon, uh, who runs a website called Impossible HQ and um his whole like i love his logo i love i love the website i love his vibe i just really like everything he's got going on so the big the big concept is um do things that a lot of other people would consider impossible right or or even better things that you would have previously considered impossible so his logo is like this the word impossible with like a strike through it uh he does a lot of like fitness stuff and mindset stuff and uh in 2020 so far he's been running some challenges and we missed out on the first challenge which hey maybe i'm a little (laughs) glad about uh we missed out on the first challenge which was uh the longest day race
0: we'd probably still be in bed if we had done the longest day race
1: and it was uh the first day of summer where it was literally you know the longest day in terms of sun up to sun down and the challenge was to go run around a track from sunup to sundown and a lot of it was mental too because it's not just go run sunup to sundown it's around a track sunup to sundown so the same thing over and over and over again for like 14 or 15 hours depending on you know your location Uh, in Alaska it'd be a lot more than that right Mm -hmm. so um, so anyway so I I just like what he's doing and I like what he's putting out there and I, I really am enjoying him inspiring you to push through and become more mentally tough because I think we, Hannah and I were just talking about this. Um, I, I think I'm fairly mentally tough when it comes to, let's say, work. Uh, I can put in a lot of hours when I need to. I can push through it. Um, you know, I can I can do stuff I don't always want to do in order to get it done. But I actually don't think I'm very mentally tough when it comes to fitness and working out and health stuff. Uh, whereas you are, you're like super. I think mentally tough.
0: I think I just tend to be more geared towards endurance things.
1: Maybe, but I—I I mean, I think you're selling yourself short. I, I think you're really—I think you're a lot tougher than you gave your, yourself credit for.
0: Well, thanks. You're nice.
1: And, um, and, and Joel's challenges are inspiring me to really push that. So. If this at all sounds anything like interesting to you, just go check out his site. He's on Twitter, Joel Runyon. His website's impossiblehq.com.
0: At the time that we're recording this, he's currently doing the 100-mile right, or 100K challenge.
1: Yeah, so we're it's basically uh, the first 20 days of July, running either five miles per day or um, a 5K per day. And so Hannah and I, we've been running uh, a little bit and and felt like we could push ourselves so we're doing the five miles per day and we're currently three days in we when we get done here we're going to go run our fourth day uh, and i'll be honest it is tough <laughs> it is really really tough yeah we
0: had our first two a day yeah, yesterday because we had our normal workout and then, and then the, then the five miles and so, and it is just mentally tough it's to mentally tough make yourself get out there and it do is it.
1: mentally brutal Uh, but I'm, I'm really excited. I think I'm going to come out of this a lot, a lot more mentally strong. Mm -hmm. That's my goal. So anyways, uh, we're really loving Joel's stuff. Check him out. Impossible HQ.
0: Okay. With that being said, do you want to tie a nice bow on it for us?
1: Yes, of course.
0: I'm making you do all the work today. Uh, I
1: (laughs) know. Um, so to, to tie a bow on this whole thing, it really comes down to what we talked about a couple episodes ago around conscious spending. The vast majority of us are living our lives sort of in the subconscious. And we're letting our life circumstances or our habits or those people around us uh, drive our big decision making. And we want to try and not do that. And we want to try and bring our actions into the conscious. And one of the best ways to do that is by asking lots of questions. And so we hope that uh, this episode has inspired you to ask more questions.
0: And we plan to have more Nick's Curious Questions yeah. episodes, and they all they all may be structured a little bit differently. Yeah, I think I they know. will be. Some of them might just be general questions for you to think through, but I definitely think we want to use it as an opportunity to share some of the things that we are trying to think through and work through, too. So That's right. I don't know. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, so we're playing around with this episode format, and um, if, you, if you enjoyed this episode, please let us know. If you didn't enjoy this episode, please let us know that, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> email me Nick at map.money. yeah
0: notice that Nick invites all the bad feedback to his email. yeah he chooses what to tell me That's right that's right <laughs>
1: so no but seriously um, we we really would love your feedback if this was helpful for you. Um, please do let us know we're still so, you know very much so with in an infancy stage of this podcast and trying to figure out um, what's most beneficial. yeah so. and
0: we really do want it to be to be helpful for you.
1: all right so uh, as always, Thank you so much for listening. Go out there and ask lots of questions.
0: (laughs) Which blanket?
1: That's right. Which blanket? (laughs) All right. We'll see y'all next time.
0: Bye.